0: It's Dr. Stu's Podcast with me, your host, Dr. Stuart Fishbein. Initial shout out to uh, Hans Zimmer for his great music, which we uh, have to acknowledge every now and then because it's so great. And I'm here with my protege, the Blisterious One, Bliss Young. Hello. Welcome, Bliss.
1: Thank you. Welcome to you.
0: You can find us on iTunes. You can find us at drstuspodcast.com. You can find us on your podcast app. Uh, Download us uh, so that it pops up automatically. Uh, This is podcast number 145. And, uh, Anything
1: funny about this one?
0: <laughs> no, nothing funny about 145. <laughs> no.
1: Hey, I don't think you told our listeners about when you tried to rate your own podcast what you did.
0: Oh, I forgot to tell people that story, didn't I? <laughs> oh, God. It makes me look so stupid, though. Well,
1: it's uh, as bad as me not, not being okay, subscribed. So
0: somehow I was on, I think, the podcast app, and it asked me to rate the podcast. And so, of course, I was going to give it five stars. Of course. But I thought you had to, like hit each star (laughs) so I hit the one star and it recorded me as rating my podcast as one star and then it was gone I couldn't do anything about it so somewhere out there there's a one star rating from the podcast host (laughs) John's laughing our producer's laughing hysterically it's
1: pretty funny well it
0: shows how you know I'm. I'm I would say I'm like in about fourth grade as far as tech savvy goes I'm not a kindergartner anymore but I'm I'm certainly not high school. <laughs> so, yeah, I should have just clicked on the five, but I—I I thought you had to like click each one. Now you know. You know, I don't know why I, I don't know why I thought that. I think I had been filling out an evaluation for somebody, mm. and I think because you had to click the, d- differently, and I just would just you know I should have known. I mean, you're supposed to know that sort of thing. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me of that. I totally forgot about that. One of the nice things about getting older, by the way, too, is is that. Um, Memory loss is actually not necessarily a bad thing.
1: <laughs> it's true, <laughs> actually. I've kind of let a little bit of that go, too. Yeah, I, had, so I, had, I,
0: I was talking to, uh, not talking, I was messaging somebody on Facebook who reminded me of a story from something that happened, I think, in 2010 or 11. And I had no idea what she was talking about.
1: Mm. Did you fake it?
0: No, I oh, asked okay. her. I said to, so, and she said, well, you know, it, was a, it, 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 wasn't, this, it wasn't a good story. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Well, good." And I'm really glad I don't remember it. Right? <laughs> then she started. Then she said, "Well, I should, probably shouldn't remind you about it." Then I said, "No, you can tell me about it because I still won't remember it."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I, you know, and I had no, I had no recollection of the story.
1: I'm enjoying getting older, except for the pain.
0: Yeah, what hurts on you today? Let's share. Okay, let's share our aches.
1: Look. I'm taped on my ankle. Oh, you've got ankle taping. And I have a massive brace Oh my on. God,
0: you've got a belly brace on.
1: Well, it's, my, it's for my back.
0: Oh, it's, well, yeah, it looks like <laughs> a binder.
1: It, yeah, it's, it is. Keep that
0: baby a... In, in a longitudinal <laughs> my lie. My
1: food baby. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I twisted my ankle back in September. And then when I went to India, it went into, I, I had a hip issue and then it's working
0: its way up your body and
1: now my back has gone out and so the guy I'm working with is really awesome and he um he said it 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 stems from the foot so I did foot physical therapy today and he reset my arches and doing supplements and all all kinds of things and hopefully we'll get to the source of the hip because the hip has been like six months of pain Mm -hmm. so I'm looking forward to feeling better right and I can't see I like I have to get he said you need um, what are those things you put in your shoes orthopedics orthotics orthotics he said you really need orthotics and I'm going to get bifocals this week I'm like oh my god (laughs) you're gonna look so
0: cute with bifocals on and
1: and bifocals we're gonna
0: take a picture of you with your bifocals (sighs) we'll put it on the podcast next time we do one
1: yeah I'm really I have to have a style so it's gonna take me forever to pick it but it's gonna happen well you're lucky
0: you only got two or three things that are are hurting are
1: you gonna mention yours
0: no you see this pinky Mm-hmm. It's the only thing that doesn't hurt
1: <laughs> his, <laughs> everything else his hurts last pinky yeah everything
0: else hurts oh man right uh, but ne- neck shoulders back especially where I got thrown off the horse
1: that was a long uh, time ago when was that you five were, years ago you I were think. with Alex
0: yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's Alex's fault
1: and I went to see my, you my
0: whole downfall is Alex's fault
1: <laughs> oh no <laughs> yeah
0: I still remember she had to put she she went into her her car got out her peroxide peroxide all over my back and started picking out gravel from uh, my back.
1: Well, at least but the horses are great. The horses are
0: great. I just posted something on Instagram last week. I don't know if you saw it. It was. Uh, I didn't. It was about. Uh, it was just something about how life renews itself because, you know, I took a picture of this completely burnt out tree mm-hmm. up at Saddle Rock, mm-hmm. and a burnt out car sitting next to it, and then in the next and then I have a, the second picture is a little video of me riding Dulce. With uh, on the trail, in a swarm of butterflies, Mm -hmm. with all the yellow mustard plant that's bloomed, and then also the uh, grapevines are all blooming. The ones that had been all burnt out, Mm. and they're in bloom. I mean, not blooming. Their leaves are the leaves are uh, coming out on them now. So, so I really need to spring is spring is for renewal, and it's Mm -hmm. and it's great. So this is, well, uh, maybe that'll be the title of this podcast. I'm not sure. Podcast one forty (laughs) five though.
1: Spring is for renewal. I like it.
0: Well, except that when you, it's not renewing, (laughs) you and I are not being renewed.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I am. I'm being, I'm, I'm happier than I've been in a really long time. So, and my life circumstances haven't changed that much. I mean, actually the, the question that I was going to read to you in a little bit, it comes from a, a, a post that I did on Instagram the other day where I was just driving down the street and I was thinking about my job and. The work that I do. And I just was just looked up and said, I'm so grateful. Yeah. So grateful yeah. that I get to do a job that I love. I've wanted to for 20 years to have a job that I felt every day I made a difference and I really loved it. And I think that that I wish that for everybody to have that, that, and I just feel really well, grateful. It, it,
0: it would be a great world if everybody, no matter what they were doing, did it as best as they could because they loved doing it. Mm-hmm. And whether you're a cubicle worker, or whether you're a checkout person at the grocery store, or a painter, or whatever you're doing, if you you know if you do it with zeal, the time will pass quicker. You'll be happier. Mm-hmm. You'll be you'll be secreting yourself in good hormones as opposed to negative hormones. The world will be a lo- much more lovely place. There'll be less anger. Passing joy less to other less, less blaming other people for our own situations.
1: Yeah. I noticed at one point that, you know, I just wasn't like smiling at people as much as I used to and engaging and just kind of like, I just was acquiescing to the norm now. Like people will get on an elevator or will be washing their hands in the bathroom or whatever and nobody even like looks at each other anymore. And so I just kind of was like, well, whatever. I'm just going to. Do my thing and connect with the people that I love when I see them. And lately, I've just been going back to no. I'm gonna say hi to people and I'm gonna smile at them. And you know, I'll be the one that makes that effort, even if they don't. Some people look at me like I'm crazy, yeah. but I, but other people light up. They're so oh, in the elevator, yeah, for it too. Yeah, in the
0: elevator, people generally light up. Some people think you're weird when you start talking. Yeah, in the so elevator, what? But, they're weird. Right. That's what I think. That's right.
1: Yeah. So yeah, days are better these days. So. I believe. That. Well, I've noticed it. That I seem happier? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I've never noticed you really being unhappy, but I, I know have. you've gone through a lot of stuff, <laughs> right? A lot of stuff. Well, of course, we all have. But yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, I think you light up the room when you come in.
1: Thanks. I do. Well, watch out because it's going to be even more that's coming. I've dropped some dead weight, let's just say that much. Oh, good.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, you don't want to share that, but we'll just keep that to it. We'll keep that to a secret. All wait. right. All right.
1: Okay, so you've got some letters from some. Uh... Uh, I've
0: got a letter, yeah, and then but I've got a suggestion first, which I thought was a good suggestion. Okay. Um, from a listener named Mariana. Mm-hmm. And I, damn it, I forgot to put down what where she's from.
1: Uh, Mariana, thank you for writing. But I in. think
0: that she's from another country.
1: hmm
0: Because she asked me about peer review and what do we do
1: mm-hmm.
0: in peer review. She might be fr- she might be from Portugal. Actually, that's where I think she's from.
1: She's the one that we talked about, right? And sh- then she said she wanted to do peer review with you.
0: Yeah, we talked about. Did we her. talk about
1: this already? No, I think she wrote again.
0: Oh, she did. Mm-hmm. Um, she talked about how do you, how do we get doctors and stuff like that to get together, and and uh, she said I, I wrote her back and I said, Mariana, that's a possible idea. I had not thought of gathering the few home birth obstetricians nationwide, or at least that I know of in the country and certain collaborating midwives once every few months for online zoom type peer review
1: yeah I'm down.
0: Wouldn't that be great? be great yeah and I think it would be confidential I mean we follow the rules of confidentiality everybody would sign something or or we just all agree I mean we don't really sign stuff at, at our current peer review. I don't think there's anything that we officially sign mm-hmm. um, but then you could uh, have some camaraderie when especially when people are isolated living in a small community they're the only person doing what they're doing you know, like me, mm-hmm. um, you know, if I could meet, to, I could talk to David Hayes in South Carolina or D- Anne Marie up in uh, Sacramento. We could have a meeting once every couple weeks or a month, you know, even every two months or something like that, you know, to share stories and, and you know, good stuff, bad stuff, letters yeah. from the medical board, uh, whatever else that you get that you don't have anybody else that you can talk about with. It would be really a great idea. Yeah. Uh, So I said I would bounce this off the ones that I know in the United States and see what they think of the idea. Bliss and I can discuss. Enjoy going back to birth and keeping life in good perspective. That was for me, for her. So she's going, I think she took some time off of birth. I I don't know if it was for child rearing or something. I think it was Mm -hmm. for child rearing. Um, But yeah, I think we should uh, organize that. I'm putting Bliss in charge.
1: (laughs) Uh, I have to decline. No, you can't decline.
0: <laughs> I'm, your bo- I'm your boss.
1: I'm your
0: boss. Um
1: well this, I'm not her boss. This okay. is the reason why. I am starting um, a couple new projects, which I could talk Ooh, about. Let's talk about those. Yeah. Um and I'm feeling a little I'm feeling a little full right now. So um my proposal for a book for Claire, I think I told you, was yes. accepted. Yes. So oh. You told
0: me that, but I don't think you told our listeners.
1: Yeah. I'm not going to talk about the details yet, but um, uh, myself, Claire's mom, and um, my spiritual counselor, who I worked with with many years, and introduced to Claire, and they fell madly in love.
0: And Claire Claire is your uh, niece niece who passed away with Mm -hmm. cystic fibrosis at Mm -hmm. age 21.
1: Mm -hmm. And that movie, uh, Five Feet Apart, that was recently in the theaters was loosely based on her. Um, So I'm writing a book about her life. Um, And so that was accepted and we're starting that process. So, yeah, that feels like a big undertaking. And then um, I have changed the way that I'm doing hospital support. And so when people would like me to be the one that's with them during labor and delivery, um, they are hiring me as their midwife, period. So my fees are exactly the same. My schedule is exactly the same in terms of when I see them, the information that I give them, how I work with them prenatally. And postpartum does not change. It just is whether or not I'm supporting them in more of a doula capacity to go to the hospital or whether I'm actually Well, what did you midwife. used to do?
0: You, had diff- you charged a doula fee instead of Char- a...
1: Well, monetary fee. Yeah. But it's more like you see them a couple of times and you talk about the delivery and maybe give them a little bit of review and help them create a birth plan and talk through the procedures at the hospital this is much different this is like you know our the preventative care the lifestyle the nutrition the emotional all of that that we get time Mm -hmm. to do over a long period of time because i felt like i couldn't really make the impact that i wanted to make on these women's birth unless we had more time together do
0: you feel like when you spend that much time with them that that you will see some of them change their mind about where they're giving birth
1: yeah and even if I don't, I think they'll be more empowered and more understanding of the underbelly of how that can get, like, usurped during the delivery when they don't really feel like they understand and and can come from their own instincts about what's happening. Yeah. Um, so... I definitely think some might change, but I think we'll just have better outcomes overall in terms of them feeling like they have a power to say no to some of the things that happen in the hospital. I
0: have a um, a book for you from uh, Catherine Bell. She's a, a author and writer in Australia mm. um, who came up with the idea of the birth map. And uh, it's this book is designed for Australia, but she wants to create similar things in other countries. And it is about what you just said. It's about on mass produ- uh, on a mass massive scale of getting that information you just described that you're doing for your clients mm-hmm. to you know to all, you know, ideally all women mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to just the select few who can afford to come to you. Yeah. And uh, she's going to be approaching us. Well, I, I got a, a copy of the book for you and for me. We're supposed to read it. Great. And then we're going to set up a, a a Skype meeting or something with her.
1: Great.
0: About helping to. Um, uh, lead this pro- project here in the United States. So, she contacted me. So, this is a book for you. You can take that. Thank
1: you. I have homework.
0: I'm giving her a book. So no, her. I
1: just told you I have a lot to do, and now you just gave me another thing. Yeah. Well, you
0: know, there's <laughs> no hurry because I'm not going to get through it. It's it's actually very easy reading but I'm not going to get through it. Uh, but it's called the birth map.
1: What does cartographer mean?
0: That's a, a person who makes maps.
1: Oh, cool. So, so it instead says, of a birth
0: plan, it's... it's uh, Love it. Yeah.
1: So on the on the cover, it says the birth map, um, birth cartographer, Catherine Bell, boldly going where no birth plan has gone before. Yeah. Love it. That's yeah. great. Okay, we'll do.
0: It's specifically designed for Australia, but... it
1: hmm. would so be interested to see how they're different anyways. Right. Um, so because I'm not offering that same capacity as a as a or a doula i have three um well-trained doulas you know doulas come in a variety you know some mm-hmm. people just did their training or they're they're free or you know are charging very little to women who have been doing it for you know a year or two they have some skill under their belt they're you know they they have some experience to women who are professionals have been doing it over 10, 20, 30 years. So these women are kind of mid range that I have personally worked with. Um, and I'm going to be mentoring them and working collaborati- collaboratively <laughs> with them during women's um, pregnancies and deliveries. If they want to not necessarily have that whole package with me, they hire me and one of these doulas. And the doula is the one who's with them physically during the labor. I go one time and do a, a labor check. At the home, you know, to do a dilation to help them decide when to go to the hospital, something like that. But they get all my information, and they get um, me available and on call to collaborate. So you wouldn't
0: be sitting with them in the hospital. I
1: wouldn't be sitting with them in the hospital. Um, unless they hired me for the whole for the whole pregnancy, so thing so I'm I'm launching that program with them. We were laughing when we went to do the meeting. It was three doulas, right? And we we're talking about being on Skype and stuff together. And they said we kind of feel like. Th- like Bliss's Angels. And uh, uh, so well, yeah. we were joking around about Charlie's Angels. Yeah. Um, so that was fun. And um, and then, of course, the innate journey that I'm doing with Hayes, we're launching the prenatal part of it. So it's um, the innate journey part one, which is preconception and pregnancy. Uh-huh. And then the other one is for labor. You, are, you, are, you do have a full
0: plate, don't you? I do. Yeah, you have a teenage son, too.
1: I have a teenage son too. <laughs> Who's been home from school all week by the way. Oh no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so um I can't I can't take on the the other project. No, no, don't
0: worry. I'll I'll, I'll take care of the other project. But
1: I'd love to tune in if if you want midwives there. <laughs> I just can't set it up.
0: Yeah. All right. I, well, I I I couldn't do it without you. So don't don't worry about it. But no, you don't have to set it up. It's going to be If I wanted to set it up, it wouldn't be hard to set up.
1: No, you just pretty You just, easy. You
0: just contact people yeah, right, and see if they're easy. interested. And you set up a, a, the first one and we'll see how it goes from there. So that's what I'll do. Uh, okay,
1: so I don't think that we, um, we told everybody that we did a special podcast with the VBack link. If you guys haven't heard about it. Yeah,
0: I posted it on Facebook, but I don't think we mentioned it on the podcast. Yeah. So so it's mentioned on the podcast. Back
1: in April, um, we did a really fun podcast with Julie and Megan from the VBAC link. Um, They're in Salt Lake City, Utah. I believe they both had VBACs, correct? I know Megan for sure did.
0: You know, that's that memory thing again. Don't don't put me on the spot. (laughs) But
1: anyways, they're great. They're fun. They're very informational. They're a great balance of information and just uh, personality. And we had a lot of fun doing their podcast back in April. So make sure and tune into them, especially our VBAC providers and our VBAC mamas, um, because they're doing great work over there.
0: Yes, they are. Yeah. And then also, did we already talk about uh, the the Facebook Live thing there with the uh, thing that we did? Yes, in your kitchen. Yes, we. we did. We talked about that on the podcast. We did. Okay, never mind then. <laughs> alright we can do that again when things settle down for you. Right now, it seems like I've got too much going on.
1: I know I have too much going on. Okay.
0: Right. Okay.
1: So, so, are you ready for me to tell my, my thing? Yeah,
0: you can do yours first because I then then I'll then I'll take over. Oh, uh, okay. Because right. I got.
1: I want like, you, I want you to talk for a little bit. And then I'll get there.
0: Well, I don't know. Should I talk about stuff or should I read a letter? Read a letter. I want to talk about one stuff thing real quick first.
1: He <laughs> so asked me and then he didn't listen. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Okay.
0: Alright, so because this is going to be old news by the time I talk about this, because this is still this is one last thing from the ACOG uh, clinical meeting in Nashville uh, 2019 meeting that took place May 3rd through the 6th. Um, this was a seminar exploring the developing developing a better understanding about gestational age and labor induction timing, mm. and I just took some notes uh, f- from it. And uh, the, the the man that instructed it, well, you know, I won't mention names because I, I it's not there's nothing uh, nothing wrong with this, but I just wanted I don't want to um, get into that name thing. So he said that the uh, medical indications. Uh, potentially supporting elective induction of labor, include preeclampsia or gestational hypertension, diabetes, intrauterine growth restriction, post-term gestational age, post-term meaning 42 weeks by the new definition, not late-term or early-term or term, which are the other definitions for between 37 and 41 and 6. So post-term gestational age and non-reassuring fetal uh, testing, He said, on the other hand, he noted that... I should have my glasses on right now, too. (laughs) He should note that uh, impending macrosomia, an increased risk for developing preeclampsia, or intrauterine growth restriction, and a favorable cervix are not indications for elective induction. Okay? Which is great. Mm -hmm. Love that. Okay, Mm -hmm. that's great. All right. But then I read on. He says, so, is 39 weeks the new 41? That really... That's really the question we're asking today. And if you're going to induce everyone at 39 weeks, we're talking about a 60 to 70% of our population being induced. That's a huge jump. Mm-hmm. Now, there are doctors already doing that, you and I know. I mean, I think I mentioned to you on the side, I don't think I mentioned on the podcast, that I had two people last week uh, who told me that two separate physicians at my local hospital, uh, different practices... These women were both over 35. Both of these physicians were females. Both of them told them that because they're over 35, they'd be being they would be they would be induced at 39 weeks. Jeez. And I said, did they really say that they say it that way? Did they say you have the option? And they said, no, no. The plan is to induce you at 39 weeks. This is the thing they're being told simply because they're over 35 years old. Mm-hmm. Right? So this is what I call concrete thinking. This is like something comes out that says you should do this. And without thinking anything else, you just do this.
1: Can you go back one pause? And you said... They, <laughs> they asked, it, do we have an option? And and your doctor said... And the
0: doctor said, no.
1: Yeah. So these are the kind of things yes. that I feel like we need to have an influence with women over, where they go in and they don't say things like, do we have an option?
0: Well, both women... Oh.
1: Do we have an option? You, of course, you have an option. Yeah. You don't go in saying that. True. You say I've read about this, and this is how I feel, and I'm hiring you, and the you know right. come in with your facts and be and both. Of the, both
0: of these women knew enough to challenge. To challenge. Great. That, right. Awesome. But you're right. But they. I don't know that they specifically said. Do we have an option? I, yeah. You asked me that question. I didn't know you were going where you were going with that. <laughs> I, I don't know how the conversation went, but I'm just saying that the doctor did not make it sound as if. They had options. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. And they so, will. They will make it. Um, is 60, 70% of the population being induced? That's a huge jump. When you look at the long-term data, there is some suggestion that waiting from 39 weeks to 40 might be better. So the idea of routinely inducing at 39 weeks should really should give us all pause. All right. So if I interpret that sentence correctly, what he's basically saying is that, You shouldn't probably do it at thirty-nine weeks, but forty weeks is okay. Exactly. (laughs) Which to to me is also idiotic.
1: It's yeah, it is because there's no real clinical indication. Basing it on an NST to me is the only thing that really makes sense because then you're actually getting information that tells you in the moment, individualized. But why are you doing an NST at
0: forty weeks?
1: Well, this is true too. But if they if they want to at least be Due diligence to a test, and if it comes out great, then why are we doing it? I understand yeah, what you're saying.
0: You know, but. yeah, if they can do it for uh, 12 pounds and nine, 12.9 pounds, then they can. <laughs> but see, that the testing they do, they're going to be charging for. So, again, it's unnecessary testing that there's a financial incentive for them to be doing. Right. So, my feeling is, is they have, if they have you know, size less than dates, if they have another indication that makes you then want to do a, a biophysical profile non-stress test, that's fine. But to just do it at 40 weeks to prove that everything's okay, that's crazy. I mean, that's not cost-effective. It's, uh, it, it's going to lead to too many false positives. Yeah. It's going to lead to what we always talk about, producing anxiety in pregnant women, uh, which is never a good thing when you're pregnant at all, certainly not near term. Mm-hmm. Uh, delays labor delays you know the whole process and it's also bathing your baby in an un- unknown uh, composition of negative tr- neurotransmitters that you're putting out yeah so why are we do- wh- you know again none of this stuff is thought about I mean I think the nothing guys nothing
1: that you just said right there was thought is right thought that's about, what I'm talking yeah. about I'm
0: thinking that what this guy's thinking is that well I'm at least being better than the 39 week guys
1: have you written a paper about that kind of stuff?
0: Written a paper? <laughs> you mean like, well, I mean, uh, an editorial? Because oh.
1: Sure, an editorial. Well, yeah, I, prob- I mean, I'd rather you pr- write a paper, but I get it. Well, You'd how would I write a, a paper study. about
0: about I, I'd have to I don't have enough volume to do a paper on on, you know, I've done a I've done a paper on home birthing.
1: I know, but you have all these other perspectives as an OB of Things that are not being considered in regards to, you know, a woman progressing normally and how the traditional way of dealing with this is causing more issues rather than acknowledging. I see
0: you're looking at me. You're trying to make more work for me right now, aren't you?
1: Yes. I want you to catch up with Why me. Why don't you
0: just write ACOG and tell them to start listening to Dr. Stu's podcast?
1: <laughs> yeah, they're going to listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why not?
0: <laughs> Why not? You're, you're a woman.
1: They'll laugh at us, Stu.
0: Uh, they'll <laughs> snicker. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I heard it was more than a snicker. What, did you,
0: what was it? Like a, a, a w- tell me what you heard because I'd like to know. What? About the ACOG at the ACOG meeting.
1: Oh, in in a lot of the. Because we're
0: not mentioning Meghan Markle's, oops, we're not mentioning your name again. Oh shoot. I wasn't going to bring it up again in this podcast. Oh well.
1: I, I want to say guffaw but that's not the word that they use. Oh,
0: guffaw <laughs> is, a, that's like a, that's like a. Boisterous. Boisterous, deep throated.
1: Yeah, that's what I heard. Wow. Well, it wasn't like a snicker it was like a, a snicker is like you're trying to be cool. You know, the way that it was described is they just openly, ha, 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 these silly women.
0: You mean the speaker did that or everybody in the audience did that? I don't know for okay. sure. Okay. Well, the speaker was mocking.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, it's always impressive to me. You know, I always think high, more highly of people who, who use mocking as their a way of doing things.
1: You, you respect it? Is that what you said?
0: That's that's called sarcasm.
1: oh, I, if you don't know this about me yet, I'm not very good at picking up sarcasm. I'm so literal and Gullible. Oh one of
0: my favorite episodes of South Park is the is the episode called Sarcastaball and uh, if people have ever watched uh, if you've ever watched South I watch the Sarcasta everything that they say in the whole episode is sarcastic.
1: okay, I'll do yeah. it for practice, yeah. It starts out
0: where the kids are playing football and, and, and they and one of the fathers finds out that they're not doing kickoffs anymore because because kids can get injured <laughs> doing kickoffs, so they took weight kickoffs, and so then he gets up at a parent meeting, and he says, well, why don't we make all the kids wear bras and tinfoil hats, and then use a balloon, and everybody goes around hugging each other on the field, making people feel better, and, and one of the teachers goes, well, do you really think that's a good idea? <laughs> I think it's a great idea, you know, and it, it, it's, everything that comes out of his mouth is sarcastic, and he actually ends up Forming our Sarcaste Ball league and then he becomes the coach of the Denver Broncos who are now playing sarcastic instead of football. And it, it goes on from there. You know how South Park just accelerates.
1: Accelerates. Anyway,
0: yes. yes, that I have a when I talk about that that mocking anybody, although here I am sort of mocking the guy who's mocking the the home birth people, but uh, you know, so mock-off.
1: G- yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, who would win a mock-off? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know that know. guy. <laughs> yeah, but you know what would really be fun? If ACOG would actually do this, would they have a debate between people who actually disagree?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They don't do that at ACOG like, that, that I know of.
1: Like the like the presidential debates. Like it could be like...
0: Yeah, well, at least there you have two yeah. people who disagree. Yeah. yeah. I'm really very really interested to watch the Democratic uh, uh, debates between the Democratic candidates because <laughs> they all agree on everything. <laughs> you know they do mm-hmm. they pretty much do they, they'll you know they'll be po- you know and they're not, and they and it's really hard to poke fun at each other because they're all sort of woke people mm-hmm. who you know they all agree on everything. So I don't know what they're going to debate.
1: Yeah, we'll have to watch Let's see
0: yeah, I'll be watching something else.
1: So I do have a question for you. Okay, okay, so you and I collaborated on a client a couple years ago who had high blood pressure. I'm m- supposed to remember this? No. No. <laughs> okay. I'm reminding you. She was right. my client. She had high blood pressure. Um you actually put her on medication and we monitored her and she ended up having a beautiful home birth. Pretty quickly, actually. Once she went into labor, she delivered pretty quickly. She's pregnant again. It's the beginning of her pregnancy. So, yeah. She's already she, she already has Hypertension. Showing, showing when I take it. Yeah. But she said, "I'm really sure that I have white coat syndrome mm-hmm. even with you." Because when I take it by myself with my own monitoring, I, I'm fine. And so, and she said when when she, when we put her on the medication, it didn't really make that much of an impact. I mean, she was still like kind of borderline, but, um, so what do you think about that? I asked, I asked Beth too, and she said she never had somebody that was with her, but the doctors, yes. So what do you think about that? Well,
0: I'm not sure. I mean, one of the things that she could possibly do is using a remote blood pressure cuff, you know, like a. Automatic one, mm-hmm. so maybe she could videotape herself taking her blood pressure, and, and that's okay, and just and see if it really is low,
1: and that's okay, you think,
0: as opposed to what
1: I don't know. If I take it and it's always high, then she, well, if, she if, may not be a good candidate, but I'd hate to, you know, transfer her out of care if it really is, is like not really an issue.
0: Well, you have to go with what your numbers are, you can't, you, right? You have to because it's what you're documenting, yeah. You can't, you know, I mean, if she's actually doing it correctly, which is really hard to, when you're using an automatic blood pressure cuff, it's really hard not to do it correctly. Yeah. Um, you know, she should be sitting. Uh, that's how you're supposed to take a blood yeah. pressure on yeah. the edge of her bed or on a chair yeah. and take her blood pressure. And if she videotapes herself taking her blood pressure and she's videotaping the screen and she's not getting white coat syndrome knowing that she's, well, she's not doing it live, so she's just videotaping it herself. It yeah. should be her normal. pressure. it comes out and she does this several times and it's always normal. You you could, you could, then you could believe her a little bit that, that, that it is sometimes you know, a little bit of uh, stress and causing her blood pressure to go up. The problem, of course, is that when she's in labor and stuff like that...
1: I'll be there. You'll be there.
0: <laughs> right, that's exactly what I was going to say.
1: But she had her baby so fast last time that I imagine she will this time too because it's her second baby.
0: And was her blood pressure okay through the both? Was I involved with her birth? I just put her on medication.
1: Yeah, wow. she went... She...
0: That, was, that was pretty bold of me.
1: Well, she went in and saw you.
0: Yeah, no, no, I know.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it was. Who was that that crazy guy? Within control, (laughs) it was in control at the birth. No, of course. Yeah,
0: of course it would be. I wouldn't expect anything else.
1: Yeah, Um, otherwise we'd be mocked. And her doula was really good. So
0: always good having a good doula. Mm, All right, so we're we're rambling. All right, so what else you got?
1: Okay. So I told you I I I posted this thing on Instagram about loving my job so much and um one of our one of our my followers uh Paith McQueen who lives in Boulder Colorado Hi. um asked me she's thinking about going into midwifery and she said um, yes how did it feel exploring the medical aspect of birth in your studies and apprenticeship? How did you did you have any feet did you hmm, excuse me did you feel any fear or found that it was natural to you? So I told her I would talk about it today on the podcast. Okay. Um, and I I don't know if you know this probably you do but when I was a mom I had a couple of instances as most of us do where our kids get hurt or in danger and I froze, but all the time. I would just freeze. I wouldn't, I wouldn't act. Other people would act. Like my son dropped into the bottom of a pool and I froze completely. My sister went and got him. So I thought, there's no way I could be a midwife. I'm just, I, I don't act well under pressure. I mean, I, I just, I'm not, I don't have that skill set. So in 2010, <clears throat> I flipped my car. Do you remember my accident?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, I do.
1: Yeah. So I got in was that,
0: was that a Was it a white car or was that the yeah. car you got afterwards? No,
1: it was a white car. Yeah, I remember it was a that. brand new car. I'd yeah. never had a brand new car. I remember that. And I think I had it for a month and I wasn't paying attention. I was changing the radio station or something. And a block from my house, I got in a car accident and flipped the car over with my two kids in the back. And um, when it happened, everybody was panicked. I think something about seeing a car flipped over, people really freak out. I was so calm. I scanned my body. I looked back at my kids. I made an assessment, and I was super together. And they pulled me out of the roof, and the kids were screaming, and everybody was panicked. And my my neighbor, my roommate, came down. Wait,
0: they pulled you out of the roof, so it wasn't flipped over? On the all, side. It was on the side. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah,
1: okay. and when, um, when my roommate came down, he said, I think you're in shock. And I said, no, I actually think that I'm... I'm handling this well. And and when I started midwifery training, I realized that that was the day that I figured out that I could do this. But when I was there learning the skill sets like blood draws and IVs and stuff like that, even still, I almost passed out the very first time <laughs> I drew somebody's blood. Um, I... I did not come naturally with the medical part of this. It took, it definitely took some time to get to the point where I felt comfortable with things that I thought were going to cause people pain vaginal exams, um, doing blood draws, doing IVs, that kind of stuff. All the lovey dovey, yummy stuff, I didn't have any problem with because it just kind of comes naturally to me. But definitely the more medical part. And I think working with you, was a really good balance for me in terms of my learning the skill sets because I learned some more aggressive um, kind of maneuvers that I don't think that I would have necessarily learned from a midwife that um, that I'm not afraid to do now because you've taught me them and if I need to use them, you know? like, what
0: would be an example of, of that?
1: Um, well, let's just,
0: just out of curiosity. Well,
1: one of them is um, is when to go in for clots. Oh, okay. You said yourself that you think that some midwives don't do that.
0: I know for a fact that some midwives don't do that.
1: as, as often as they should. Um, I probably wouldn't be doing breaches and stuff. I wouldn't be doing breaches and stuff here in California, but I don't plan on living here forever. And I would like to do breaches and twins in my practice because I have, I've learned it. So learning how to do a breach extraction or, or twin extraction, Um, those are things that, you know, I don't, yeah, I wish, I wish that
0: I could let you guys actually do it on one of these cases where, well, you can legally, I could let you do a breach extraction on a twin. Yeah. Seriously.
1: Yeah. You're there supervising.
0: Oh, really? Oh, I I thought it was outside. I thought you really couldn't be the one doing that.
1: I mean, we should look into it deeper, but I think, I mean, you've let me deliver twins before you've let me deliver breaches before. Catching.
0: Yeah. Yeah, catching them, but yeah, not reaching up inside and
1: no, but yeah, right. So we should look into it more. But I think so. Okay. Yeah, I was never not because
0: all you have to do, really, if you do, if you do one, you know, how many breach extractions did I have as a resident? Not very many, but if you do one, you know how to do it,
1: and you're not afraid to do it. Right. It, that's the part of it. I think is like you get that muscle memory of like, okay, I've done this before, I can do it again. Yeah. It's in there. Uh-huh. So, um, but the thing, the other thing I wanted to say about this story is, um, I never feared birth. And I think that when, um, this is probably a part of the story with a sanctuary that we haven't really talked about. When I started training, um, originally we thought that I would be able, because I owned a birth center, we would, I would be able to do the training at my birth center and was like, of course. I can, you know, I'll just be able to do it. But some of the midwives felt uncomfortable about feeling like it was a conflict of interest that they were going to be my teachers and I was their employer and it was kind of a little bit complicated. Um, And they really led me to believe when I, before I got my license, that once I was in it and I was learning more about it, I would have more of a respect or a kind of a fear of of some of these things. And I don't feel like I ever, I don't think my philosophy around birth and trusting birth and not fearing birth ever really shifted. The more I got into learning the skills, I think I just became more comfortable with the medical part of being a midwife. But I don't think I I really like uh, got deeper into it and then felt more fearful and I'm grateful for that. I still trust birth.
0: It's a, it's a blessing that you have. Um, I would say that I've been very fortunate most of my career to feel exactly the same way. I think the, you know, the longer I do what I do, sometimes I believe I've sort of dodged a bullet, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm, even though I've had some outcomes, which haven't obviously been with the way we would like them to be. But I think, I think that, uh, that the, the term fearing birth is is, is not good. I think it's, it's, you know, too many of my colleagues fear birth, and that's why they end up uh, doing all these interventions and all these things and getting all these consults, and, and, it, and they keep their distance from it. Um, I think it's really good to respect birth, to respect the process. You know it can turn south mm-hmm. at any time. But, you know, if you go in with fear, there's no way that your clients aren't going to pick up on that.
1: I just don't think you should be doing birth if you fear it. I think that one of the reasons that they hire us is because we can come in with an understanding about here are the risks and the signs and this is how we would act on it. And this is normal. This is not normal and have a plan. But, you know, I I think that we need to keep that in check. You know, we need if we if we are walking into a birth room and we don't feel like we can really hold a space for that woman that. That this is normal and natural, then I think that we need to figure out how to get that in check. That's my opinion about yeah, it. Yeah, the
0: problem, of course, is by the time that most of my colleagues in OB figure out that they f- fear birth and they don't like doing it very much, they're so embedded in the in the you know that, that in their career wise that, that what, else, what are they going to do? Quit, you know? And what are they going to do after that? Well, they don't. I mean, they just they don't get into now, oncology. S- some oh, some or... give up. Some give up OB, mm-hmm. but there are way too many that are doing OB. Um, you know. And with fear as their, you know, maybe not their primary, but certainly a high up motivation uh, as to what drives them to do certain things the way they do certain things, the way they talk to people, the way they talk to the nurses, the way they talk to clients. You know, on transport, sometimes when I've come to the hospital, I I think I've told you twice now, uh, I've been treated with absolute disrespect. Yeah. And both of those times, I believe the disrespect came from the fact that the person, rather than dealing with it, with the issue at hand, was... Was angry, pissed, and and fearful that something was going to go wrong, and they were and they were going to be held responsible for it. And, and and when you when you come at something from that angle, it makes it very difficult to um, to do good work because you're you you know I don't even know how to say this. I'm, I'm thinking of a specific case. In, you know, you become you become uh, an obstacle, a detriment. You get in your own way. And outcomes will probably get worse because you are not reacting. You, I mean, you're 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 not proactive. You're reactive, and and it, it's not a good thing.
1: Right. Right. It's not a good thing. Right. And you know we have to also acknowledge that it's there's risk in everything, and not all outcomes. No matter what, how great we are at our job, we're not going to be able to so control. So why do you life. think
0: though? Getting back to the story, why do you think that you were nervous about your kids and? you know your kid fell in the swimming pool and you didn't know what to do and yet this particular instance
1: I think I just had enough experience enough life experience that I started to um mature in a way And the
0: car flipping was just the was the, the, the was the light switch
1: sort of It was the light switch. Yeah. Yep. I felt ready. So
0: how does that answer the question for your uh your listener? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what was, what He's like
1: you rambled a little. Yeah.
0: So, what was the specific question about no, the medical she just, stuff?
1: She just asked if I felt comfortable with the medical part of it as I got deeper into it, and I would say that you know, I do feel more comfortable with the medical part of it. It doesn't scare me, but I also I don't think that I feel more fearful about birth than I did when I started. Yeah.
0: And I would I would reemphasize that that most of what we do with birth is not medical.
1: Exactly. It's true, but I do feel very. I feel I feel like my skills are really good. I feel like I was trained really well between you and Augustine and the midwives that I worked with. I feel like I had a really good balance of skills. One of the things I tell people when they interview me is like, you know, I think about it as if if you were going to sail around the world, right? You would need to know how to fix the boat, you would need to know what to do in an emergency, all of that stuff, but it's not why you sail around the world. You sail around the world because it's a beautiful experience. And that's how I feel about birth, like I'm there to keep watch, just in case, but that stuff isn't in the background. It's not in the forefront.
0: Well, that's pretty impressive stuff. <laughs> no, it's pretty impressive. just to listen to you. I mean, I'm the lucky one. I get to sit here and I get to sit with Bliss. you know, I see her during the week sometimes, but I get to sit with her every couple of weeks, and spend a few hours listening to this marvelous person talk. It's yeah.
1: Oh. Now it, you're it, making me blush.
0: Yeah, well, yeah, it is. Uh, it, it, but it's true.
1: It's a it's a mutual and, admiration and, and society. And
0: I get a lot of emails and stuff like that complimenting you. I've told you this before. That How pe- come
1: I don't get them? Send them to me. Cause it,
0: yeah, well, I guess they're sending them to me <laughs> at askdrstew at gmail.com.
1: Yeah. You got to forward them I'll, to me.
0: Yeah, I, well, some I do. and Okay. So he doesn't
1: want my head to get big. <laughs> no, and some are
0: just in conversation and other things like that too yeah. or, or, or Facebook message or thank something. Thank you, thank you, thank you. They're not you. things that I can you know, show you. But
1: I'm enjoying it. It's been, it's been a fun ride. All
0: right, so we should do one more thing probably before we end today. Okay. So I have about five more things on my, in my pile here. Mm. So I'm just deciding. Uh, trial of labor after cesarean delivery for twins. Uh, lowering the cesarean section rate is good for babies. Duh. or we could do a letter so let's do a letter yeah all right Um, this also comes from the uh, I think from the United Kingdom again this is Brandis and she writes um, and this is her birth story a little bit so I'm just going to read real quickly Um, I'm a big fan of you and bliss there you go (laughs) (laughs) funny about that I'm a labor nurse who loves supporting physiologic birth so naturally I planned a low intervention birth center birth I'm young and healthy. Ate well. Did spitting babies, hyp- hypno babies since 20 weeks, and believing in faith and wonderful undisturbed vaginal delivery. At 41 and two sevenths weeks, uh, my first baby labor came on fast at 8 a.m. I'm handling it well. We got to the birth center about 10:30 after 45 minute drive. I'm seven centimeters, but the midwife feels toes. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So maybe she should have had one of those 36 week ultrasounds that we talked about <laughs> in the last podcast. <laughs> So I get transferred to the hospital, which is a very smooth transition, mm-hmm. obviously England. Mm-hmm. Okay. But at the same time, I can feel the rush of the staff to prep me for a C-section. And all these people are just doing things to me, an ultrasound, and the birth center doctor confirmed an incomplete breach. Oh, all right. Now, let me say something about that. Not having been there, Brandis, I don't know for sure. But a term patient, incomplete breach is extremely rare. What we're generally talking about is a complete breach, where the feet are f- presenting below the butt. But the butt, the, the the hips and the knees are still flexed, and the butt is palpable. You reach up an inch or so, and you feel the butt. That's not a, really an incomplete breach. There's often a misconception about that. It's often mislabeled.
1: If you see the toes, they, they misread it. They, once they see a
0: foot, they call it footling. Mm-hmm. And it's not mm-hmm. very common that it is a footling. I've made this mistake myself in the past, so I'm not saying that, that other people don't. There are people that I've probably done a C-section on, when I used to work in the hospital Mm -hmm. that I probably shouldn't have. Mm. But, you know, you evolve. So I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. The midwife contacted the other doctor over at the birth center, trained in breach from the United Kingdom. Oh, no, actually, I don't think that this... This was in central Illinois. I'm sorry. I saw the UK in here, but actually, Brandis is from central Illinois. I want to correct that. But there was a a doctor who trained in breach from the United Kingdom to come to the hospital. So it's nice that they had... Good, smooth transition in central Illinois. Mm-hmm. Good. Um, she, tells, she says, I told my midwife I wish Dr. Stu was here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, which is very sweet. Thanks, Brandis. Uh, I wanted to have this baby vaginal, but after talking to both doctors, they feel it's too risky for vaginal birth due to risk of cord prolapse. Now, let me ask a question. I mean, again, I'm surmising here. Mm-hmm. She's seven centimeters dilated. Mm-hmm. The cord hasn't prolapsed. She says the baby's heart rate was fine, by the way. She says that somewhere in here. Mm-hmm. So there was never a problem with the heart rate. I'm not sure why they'd be worried about cord prolapse at that point. I'm not either. Okay. Um, in the meantime, I'm in transition. The fetal heart rate was reassuring. There we go. I felt like I wanted to try for a vaginal delivery, but voiced that. But even the doctor trained from the UK basically said he does not like doing breech deliveries, though he has done 100 plus, if I recall correctly. So interesting that he's uh, trained in it done a hundred plus and he doesn't like doing them. And I, uh, you know, from my, I understand because there's so much out there that's sort of misconception about it, but quite frankly, when breaches go, they really go generally pretty easily. Sometimes you have to intervene, but, but for the most part, breach delivery is, is sometimes, you know, certainly more interesting and certainly, uh, and, and can be beautiful. Um, that a head down, baby. So, I love breech babies. Yeah, especially so. I reluctantly agreed to a C-section after crying to my husband, mm. and another cervical exam. So the doctor stated the foot was coming through the cervix. Basically, said the baby hadn't co- can't come out like that. Okay, again, I, you know, I don't want to cause turmoil in your mind, Brandis, by saying that that, you know, it may very well have been a footling, but it's very very unlikely at term to be eight centimeters, seven plus, or or in transition and have a footling breech where the whole leg hasn't really come out at that point. If they're just feeling a foot, that's very likely the foot is just folded up under the butt. Uh, The baby was born, and uh, she said, I wanted to get you and Bliss's perspective on what happened and a more explanation of the risk benefits with incomplete breech vaginal delivery. I was also wondering if it's possible to reduce a foot back up so only the butt is presenting. Is that a thing? Okay. So, a couple things on that.
1: You can pinch their toes, right?
0: Well, you you know, if you, sometimes you get a hand that's next to the head, you can pinch the fingers and mm-hmm. the hand will go back. But again, um, you could theoretically pinch the toes, but if if the baby's uh, uh, incomplete breach, if one leg is extended, it's not going to pull the leg back up inside that far. Right. And it's not going to change anything. And if it's a foot length, I mean, if it's a complete breach, then who cares?
1: Because the butt's going to come down. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So, I don't think that. Pinching a foot is something that we would normally do, um, and then the other question was: uh,
1: Can you reduce the foot, or you just wouldn't worry about it?
0: No, if the I would feel if I could feel butt a little higher up, I would just call it a complete breach. Okay, and I'd let her labor, and as long as the, as she said the fetal heart rate's reassuring and she's progressing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: then keep your hands out of there and see what happens. Right, and again, she's already in a hospital. So if something does start to go awry, they can intervene. Yeah. So, you know, it's a little sad to me that you have a trained physician in breach who who wasn't willing to assist the uh, the, the situation.
1: Yeah. Sad.
0: Any other thoughts?
1: No, I, I defer to you when it comes to breach deliveries. So.
0: Well, you know a lot though. <laughs> well, all right. So anyway, Brandis, um, you know what. It's you know. I'm glad you wrote, and I appreciate you trying to resolve these sorts of things in your mind. And I'm hoping that that um, your memory from the birth will be much more of the positive stuff than than what happened. It's not you know. Cesarean section isn't the devil. Sometimes
1: it's necessary. Yeah,
0: and it may very well have been. Again, it's hard for me in hindsight to actually tell you that it was necessary or unnecessary. Uh, there's no way for me to know that. Um, I can only tell you that I think that that incomplete breach is often miscalled at term.
1: And I think really planning powerfully, if you decide that you want to have another baby for a VBAC, and understanding that each delivery is very different, and you know we just have to move forward and heal. And we're sending you lots of love.
0: We are. Yeah. Doctor Stu podcast love. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, the music it's time to say goodbye
0: yeah it's been great yes it's been a great spending an hour with you
1: yes and you always, sorry I was late
0: always good to, well you were <laughs> late no you were late for podcast 144 yeah 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 you were not late for podcast 145 Okay, <laughs> we're
1: late we're running behind
0: anyway guys uh, we really appreciate you listening we do love your comments we hope that you we will do you'll send us uh, letters like like Brandis's letter uh okay. And uh, you can reach us at, again, askdrstu at gmail.com or bliss at birthingblissmidwifery. Um,
1: Yep, on Instagram. On
0: Instagram. What's your email again?
1: Birthingbliss.com.
0: Birthingbliss.com. This has been Dr. Stu's podcast number 145. We appreciate you sharing us. We really appreciate your time. We know that everybody has podcast apps that are full of other podcasts. So spending 50 minutes with us is a joy for us. We'll see you next time.
1: Bye-bye.